This is a Rooster Teeth production. Winter, 1955. An entire U.S. Navy destroyer is teleported from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Norfolk, Virginia and back. At least, that's what an anonymously delivered book of handwritten notes would have us believe. Mm-hmm. True. Was it, well, this is the intro. I, I don't think we really talk over the intro. I think that was true. You think that was true? Yeah. Okay, we might have to reconvene and, and just, just kind of figure out our approach. If it comes in a handwritten book, it's true. Can I finish the beginning? Go ahead. Please? I'm just adding flavor. What? There's enough flavor. Sauce. There's plenty. This podcast is swimming in flavor. I'm loving what I'm hearing here. I'm eating it up. You're spoiling your entrance. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Have you Sorry. It's, it's a big no, surprise. It's also on the title and the description. <laughs> um, okay, hold on. At least that's what an anonymously at, at that at, that is what an anonymously oh. delivered book of handwritten notes would have us believe. Was it even real? Yes. Or okay, yeah. Is it nothing more than U.S. Navy fanfic? Jen, both fanfiction. Okay. All fan fiction has a grain of truth in it. Like shifting into a date with Draco Malfoy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. And I'm Elise. That's right. We are joined today. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Elise is here. Thank you for having me. You can't see audio listeners, but I am saluting. Mm -hmm. It's evident in your tone. These captains of podcasting. Elise Willems of 30 Morbid Minutes. That's right. Yeah, uh, we're sort of sister podcasts. You yeah. think we're like sisters? I think so. Because yeah. I co- make a podcast with Jessica Vasami where we cover topics that are morbid. And we've talked about morbidity on the high seas. Mm-hmm. Y'all I have, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah and we're, we'd like to talk about it more and have you both on more to talk I with mean, us. that sounds busy. tremendous. We're very but yeah, busy. we are very busy. Yeah. Oh, I, I, see, I really yeah. enjoyed that episode. I like the the bit about ice cream on the cruise ship. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't see how it could possibly hold water. No. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, before we get well, speaking into this, of uh, bullshit, this yeah. is a story that is this is a story that's a hundred percent true. It's verified. Yes. Also, are we still trying to do the not cursing thing? I don't, I don't know. Just everyone just listening. Bleep it. Just, just okay. That you get a one. You got. You just had one. Yeah. All right. Every audio listeners, just there's not going to be any more for the rest of the episode. Yeah. This more might, importantly, sponsors. This might be yeah. the first ship hits sponsors. the fan to break an hour. <laughs> Um, I don't know if we normally do the very stupid intros for the honorable mentions. I feel like we haven't, but I wrote one, so I'm going to do it. I'd love to hear it. I would love to tell it to you. Look, we can scrap it if it comes to that. We can't. Okay. This is recording to tape, to to, to Mm -hmm. wax. We upgraded. Ah, Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. And what exemplifies the principles of brother love better than the U.S. Navy? (laughs) (laughs) And imagine if the two were to converge in spectacular fashion in a myth that has withstood the test of time, not unlike when real-life Philly legend Rocky Balboa okay. went 15 yeah. rounds with Apollo 12 Creed. rounds, but... Yeah, 12 rounds. I think it's uh, 15. It's can definitely I, 12. Can I make a quick note on the intro? I don't normally do this. I'm not finished yet. Okay, well, finish up, and then I'll... I, I have one note. Go, Birds. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, well, go, Birds. Yeah, obviously, go, Birds. Obviously, obviously go, Clearly, birds. the Birds yeah. gotta go. I have one note, Yeah, and it would be... We should say that it has any have anything's been fused together. Yeah, better. And oh, that's it, that and is then good. It fits yes, the topic. You know I was I, mean? I was thinking about how to incorporate sort of the uh, the horrors 
uh, articulated in the the margins of the book that we're going to talk about very shortly. But mm-hmm. I just didn't want to. I don't want to give too much away. You know, yeah. I didn't want people to say, "I understand it." Turn it off. Drive the rest of their commute <laughs> in silence. Yeah, we got the data. Most of our listeners listen to the intro, and that's it. And they say, "That's enough." Got yeah, it. You know, they get to the point where I go, "Ah." Yeah. <laughs> I like to get on a flight and just stare at the back of a headrest for four hours. That's me. That is what he does. Do you really? Yeah. yeah I've Have seen you not him do seen it. The photos? No. <laughs> the yeah. photos. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we can talk, we can talk about that on Black Box Down, right? <laughs> Let's focus on the sea. Because today we are talking about the Philadelphia experiment, a World War II legend that has fueled conspiracy theories for over half a century. But before we get into tales of espionage, American sensationalism, and invisible warships, we need to talk about one of the central figures of this mystery, Carl Meredith Allen. Not familiar. You're going to be. Okay. A lot. Y'all are going to learn. You may know him by a different name, which will come up later. Um, which is several. Tre- he had actually tremendously se- good. He had several aliases, but the yeah. one that is, there is it's, one in particular is really <laughs> yeah. good. Um, uh, again, don't want to give it away because we do have uh, statistics that people actually don't even pause the podcast. They just turn down the volume mm-hmm. all the way on their radio and turn up the fans on, on their the radio. AC. Yeah, are we on the radio? <laughs> no, it's a car radio. Oh, yeah. okay. same thing. It's the car what, radio. A- anyway. Carl Meredith Allen was born in Springdale, Pennsylvania on Go May Birds. Th- Go Birds. Go Birds. On May 31st, 1925, he was the oldest of five children. That's a lot. Not for Philadelphia. No. No. Springdale, I can't say. It's a Catholic. To. Yeah, Catholics. Yeah. Living through the Great Depression wasn't easy, shocker, especially with that many children, but according to most, his family was neither exceptionally poor nor exceptionally rich. Uh, Essentially, there's Mm -hmm. not much you could say about Carl that was exceptional. He finished school with good grades, and by all counts, his childhood was pretty normal. Okay. Yeah. What happened to our middle class? How do you become (laughs) one of the subjects of this podcast, I wonder? (laughs) Yeah, Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people who knew him did describe him as being extremely smart, but not driven or focused. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm in this picture, and I don't like it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm very smart. Okay. He's never, he never seemed to find his thing uh, or whatever his calling in life was. He just never really seized upon it. I respect that. Uh, <laughs> That's, I relate to that. Well, after school, he struggled to keep any one job for longer than a few months and spent long stretches of time as a drifter. And you could do that in the 20s and 30s. That's cool. That was a job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just kind of hit the the rail yards, right? You just drift around. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. (laughs) We (laughs) all been there. (laughs) I've done that. And at a certain point, it's I think actually in the quite century, dangerous. You could just kind of get drift away, get lost to get in lost in a rock and roll and drift away. Yeah, and it's just interesting that Carl feels like this is all feasible way of life in the during the Great Depression. I think a lot of people did that, but not by not choice. By choice, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like, well, but, I, guess but, but I guess I'll. Carl I'll leaned just into drift. it. I mean, look, there was a time where if you had nothing going on, and if you had, a, if you didn't have a family, or if you did have a family, and I you think just especially if you wanted had to maybe cut ties with them, yeah, uh, you could just go and ride trains ride the rails, with yeah. the fellas for yeah. Just ever. be careful that mm-hmm. any like sliding lumber doesn't crush you or yeah, your, yeah. your tra- co-travelers. Um, but you could get into all kinds of hijinks, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I mean, be fine. Hoboing. Yeah, hoboing. Until you died of some mysterious disease very young. Which turned out to be like a cold. It was a cold. And a knife in your your gut. (laughs) That was the disease. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. From a rival rival hobo. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) What were they rivals? Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Hey, that's a different podcast. One said no burns. No burns. Okay. Okay. Uh, It is important to note that this is happening during a time of historical unemployment and economic struggle in the United States. Oh, what's that like? So it's possible that people found themselves in the same position as Carl, but there's one key difference. Carl never had any trouble getting hired. He just struggled with not getting fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not laid off, fired. Full firing. Full firing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Full auto. Um, Because... (laughs) When he wasn't pranking his coworkers, <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic Carl. That's just Carl Meredith, yep. uh, which is super dangerous uh, in a factory or construction setting. Oh. He was just full on lying to consistently call out of work. Uh, his two speeds are Jackass or Ferris Bueller, no in between. Uh, two beloved, I would say, um, examples of American art. Yeah, yeah. So Carl, uh, he can get a job. He can. It's no problem. Yeah. But he, he treats can get it, all the jobs. Yeah. He treats it like a prank and a joke, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and he has no ambitions right. to stick with it and go any further. Mm-hmm. So what does he? Where does he go from there? <laughs> I'm so glad I feel like you you're asked. getting at something. Uh, I'm just curious. Like, what does a man who feels like he has nothing to achieve? <laughs> where does he turn? Well, much like everyone with nowhere else to turn, he decided to join the U.S. Marine Corps mm-hmm. in 1942. <laughs> <laughs> During oh, World good, War II. Perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when people are actively being drafted into the service. Um, he willingly joined it. He did. Yeah. But his, his streak of getting fired did not um, go away at all. He was discharged. <laughs> he was discharged only a few months after boot um, camp. Which is hilarious at a time when they desperately need people. I know. During oh. a world war. Yeah. How do you the, get out of that? The how do you second. Get discharged? And so far, last. Imagine. What's that? How do you, did he prank? Did he prank so hard that he got discharged? <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> like Colonel Clink is like, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. You know? He was like, ha ha, what if I were gay? But it's a prank. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although they still needed people then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a story about the Navy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the U.S. merchant marines were willing to take anyone. Yes. So that, of course. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love a, an armed service that's just like, the only come on. Th- the only thing I know about the Merchant Marines is that Oscar Isaac was once in them in Inside Lewin Davis, the Conan oh, this movie. Okay. Not, <laughs> not actually. No, no, not in real life. The well, character. Well, they allowed Carl to enlist the same year he was discharged from the Marine Corps. And he served on a number of ships that included the SS Andrew Furuseth until he left the service in 1952 following the war. Uh, according to people Carl served with, his time in the Merchant Marines was again... Nothing to write home about. So far, one of the most unremarkable subjects of this podcast. We can just pack up the podcast here. Pack it up. We definitely can. Can I get a pack it up, Foghorn? EU. Pack it up. EU. Oh, EU. <laughs> you want my baby back? Oh, is that something that you have in the show? No, have not, pack we're, it up we're making foghorn? a little joke. We don't actually. We have oh, an I didn't know if there was a soundboard. Yeah, we don't do anything. Do. No, okay. No, no. We do, we do, do, a, fog, do, do a foghorn. Um. I'm going to just continue the script. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so his service, eh, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you asked Carl, he spent his time working on secret projects, met Albert Einstein, mm-hmm. and was tutored by Albert Einstein in physics for several weeks, which is wow. enough to, I think, really master all of the 
pieces <laughs> of physics. Uh, and most notably, he witnessed a series of top secret government teleportation and invisibility tests, which he referred to as the Philadelphia experiment. That's like there when we I, go. I found one of the secret Netflix tests at like 3 a.m. when I was just scrolling through Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've heard about yeah. these where they just like program like nothingness. There's to, just like, a guy like talking yeah. on Netflix campus and he's just testing the. And you, yeah. was there footage of men fused to the hull of a ship? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought that was news. strange. Oh, sorry. That sounds like the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, that you were doing a thing. It was a it was a call, call forwards. forwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were calling <laughs> your shot. comedy trick. You were calling your shot. <laughs> yeah, comedy foreshadowing. Yeah, not yeah. foreshadowing. It's reveal. Call it's, forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It all makes sense in a while. Well, mm-hmm. let's let's uh, take it back now, y'all, real quick before mm-hmm. we getting in get into the fusing of men to the the steel of a of cold a destroyer, steel. the cold steel yeah. of a destroyer. Let's talk about Albert Einstein for a minute. Uh, it does sound like a uh, an insane lie to say that Carl met Einstein and was tutored by him. Uh, yeah. And it is widely believed to be an insane lie. Uh-huh. But this lie is actually one of the things that make people believe Carl's story for even the briefest moment what? in time. Yeah. No, I know. Why? Uh, there's a few reasons. So I actually first met of Einstein, all, too. What's that? I met Einstein, too. Oh, yeah? Did he yeah. tutor you? Just a few weeks? Uh, he means of yeah. Einstein bagels. Oh. The bagel place. Yeah. I like Einstein yeah, yeah. bagels. Yeah. Uh, one of the only places outside of Minnesota you can get caribou coffee these days. There you have it. So the Manhattan Project (laughs) desperately tried to recruit Einstein. Uh, He was a pacifist, but he he believed that the possibility of the Germans developing an atomic bomb was a credible threat. He wrote a letter advocating for the U.S. to invest in studying and potentially creating atomic weapons. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, he lists this on his deathbed as one of his life's biggest regrets because of how many people died as a result of the bombs. Quite a few. His Large second number. biggest regret was not scoring with enough hot chicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's every, I think that's everyone's. It's a close second. Yeah, that's most people's. <laughs> I wish group. I had scored. I don't know how to do <laughs> that. I don't know. know yeah. Austrian, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, he became a U.S. citizen in 1940 during the war, and mm-hmm. many people believed it was so he could do extensive work with the war effort, but it was not. Einstein, as I mentioned, if you were paying attention, was a noted pacifist. Was a private tutor to merchant marines. <laughs> to, to some of the least <laughs> successful members of our yeah. armed forces. Um, yeah, so while he did write that one letter advocating for weapons, he wanted nothing to do with building them. His involvement was a common misconception at the time. Einstein actually spent a large part of his time being an eccentric genius of note. Ooh. I can relate. Uh-huh. <laughs> While advocating for civil rights. Uh, this is actually pretty neat. I did not know this. He was a member of the NAACP and offered to testify at W.E.B. Du Bois' trial in 1951. This offer caused the judge to drop the case. Wow. That is, I mean. All right, Einstein. Pretty cool. I call him Webb Du Bois. Du Bois. <laughs> Webb. <laughs> that's his accent that's yeah, the yeah. Austrian accent yeah, yeah that's Einstein <laughs> um, yeah he was quoted at the time as saying being a Jew myself perhaps I can understand and empathize with how black people feel as victims of discrimination so honestly all around solid dude uh, but probably not teaching Carl I think physics. he was a horrible father and husband mm. so mostly around that could publicly be, that could be hearsay dude. It could be, but I don't know I don't if my information know. is good. I've I'm just, just going to say some rumors. the public record of his, uh, uh, I would say, generosity sure. socially and culturally sure. ha- has been 
noted. Yes. Uh, as to his role in the family, can we, we can't take off our hats. Or we take we yeah, we can't. <laughs> off our caps. Yeah. Um, anyway, there. That's the that's the end of the Einstein minute. A new segment <laughs> on Ship Hits the Fan. We'll be covering Einstein just a weekly little. going forward. Just yeah, a just little barely, bit. Yeah. So by the time Carl claimed he knew Einstein, Einstein had just passed away. So there was literally no one who could refute his claims at the time. Yeah. That's how you do it. So I don't know if people believed it for a brief period of time or if they couldn't outright disprove it yeah. immediately, like most of yeah. his claims. Yeah. Just, I'm sorry, I keep I keep watching planes take off and it is so neat. Oh, Einstein, so would have, cool. Einstein would have loved he that. He would have flipped his gourd. He would have gone nuts. Uh, wouldn't right. have invited his wife on the trip, but he would have liked to have seen not. the plane. Hey, let's cut this. I don't want anyone to know we're even close to an airport. Wow, we didn't say that until you just said that just right said now. It, it could have just planes flying in the sky all the time. They're taking off. <laughs> it's cool. We're recording so, uh, from San Bernardino near the Ontario <laughs> airport. We are so, on the tarmac at John Wayne. They could have thought LAX. <laughs> yeah. Okay, coming back into it. Einstein's dead. Okay. To begin Re- with. Rest in peace to uh, an allegedly terrible father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, this brings us to late 1955 when a mysterious package arrived at the U.S. Office of Naval Research. <gasps> Never good. Yeah. Uh, you can tell this story is old because the Office of Naval Research just opened the package. That's sick. Instead of assuming it was a bomb or yeah. anthrax or ricin or hair mm-hmm. or any number of things that people send. Hair I could get behind. Yeah, well, the Navy, get, yeah, the Navy often runs no, a hair for guns it's, program. It's raggedy yeah. hair. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's awful. You trade in your hair, hair, you get a gun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, they send it back, but they've fashioned it into a holster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, inside was a copy of a book. The Case for the UFO, Unidentified Flying Objects. And this Ooh. was by Morris K. Jessup. Okay. The case stands for Ketchum. Oh. Morris Ketchum Jessup. Morris Ketchum Jessup. Morris Ketchum Jessup. <laughs> Morris Get Ketchum your Jessup. butt inside. Morris, Morris Ketchum Jessup. Yeah, he sounds like he's a you know old Western uh, yeah. hero, but that's not really his bag, right? No, but he is. I mean, he's a, he's a fun time. He's a, he's a fun character. I, I mean, he may also be a bad father and husband uh, i'm actually not sure what's that let's get to the bottom of that let's find out what he was like as a father <laughs> yeah if, it, if there's any jessup heads <laughs> that want to get at us send us uh, all your findings in an unmarked box yeah yeah include yeah. A, a little strand of hair yes <laughs> a lock <laughs> of your hair somehow locks of our own hair anyway uh he was an astronomer and one of the first recognized Ufo, ufologist. Ufolo- ufologist? <laughs> ufologist. Ufologist. Or ufologist. Ufologist. There's a lot of contention about this. Yeah, I've know. I've gotten I've was told about this by uh, an insane believer yeah. who uh, worked at Floyd's 99, and he was telling me all about uh-huh. ufology or ufology or ufology, whatever. This is the study of unidentified flying objects. UFOs. UFOs. Aliens. So, despite having a master's in astronomy. Jessup spent a large portion of his life as an auto parts salesman and a photographer. Uh, why, you may ask? Well, it's because he wouldn't shut the hell up about UFOs. That makes sense. And you may think it's like, oh, not shutting up about a non-credible topic would probably undermine your credit. If you don't shut up about anything, for long like you could have been just talking about astronomy and they probably Yeah, yeah. Like, people no. listen to this podcast. Like, I don't yeah. want to talk. Crying out loud. Well, okay, yeah, but that's our job. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turn it off and go if, outside. If this were a different job and we were talking <laughs> about shipwrecks, <laughs> yeah. fire me. 
Yeah, imagine imagine you're working with someone and all they ever talk to you about for eight eight hours a day, five days a week is shipwrecks. I mean, sounds like a pretty ba- sounds- good bag for you two. I mean, I, guess, I mean, we would love to have someone like that. Yeah, yeah. at a certain point, though, that would be a huge much, boon. You know, yeah, if we could put them in like a talk about the birds for once or something. Talk about a little for a little bit, just for like an hour, even. You know, <laughs> go birds. Yeah, go birds. <laughs> go birds. Anyway, Jessup's book is important because it was written only a few years after the Mount Rainier saucer sightings of 1947 and the Roswell UFO incident that happened the same year. Coupled with growing suspicion about what the government had been studying in the early Cold War years, UFOs were a hot topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can't stop talking about these UFOs. Well, it's because they were alerted to our presence when we blew the nukes. Is that a That's common showed up. Uh, talking point? I think so. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, and also I just think the amount of psychedelic drugs flying around in the 1960s. MK it Ultra. Just, it just it's just culture and the world was ripe yeah, for man, a UFO. It was time. discourse. It was yeah. time. Like we're in the Cold War. There's no real tangible conflict. We'd been to space, so it was yeah, sort of the like, space race. It's like yeah, it was we knew it was doable. The world was was primed yeah. for it. Yeah. You know, also you gotta let off some steam after a world war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of get yeah, into some, a little fun. some fun well, BS. And we've, you know, we've had World War One. We fought that in the trenches. World War Two. We fought that in the skies. In the, in the skies. Yeah. Where's the next war going to be? It's space. Underground. Oh, yeah. oh okay. okay. No, it's underground. You're going to the middle of the earth. I was, I was going. I was thinking yeah. hollow space. earth war. Yeah. I see. Or we could mm-hmm. do, uh, <laughs> uh, um, no, sea war, I guess, was World War Two. Yeah. And also World War One, yeah. yeah, and also actually, actually most of recorded almost history, all wars yeah. were sea wars <laughs> yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Again, good for us. Yeah, really good. The for Earth us. is mostly made of water. Yeah, <laughs> primarily. No, I think it's covered in. That's water. That's why it's so attractive <laughs> to the aliens. <laughs> it's, the inside is uh, the crust. Uh, is, it's a lot of mostly. <laughs> okay, I, I can very quickly. Well, lava uh, is <laughs> lava's kind is water. It's a liquid lava magma. It's rock yeah. water. It's rock water. Yeah, it's rock juice. Yeah. Oh, rock water sounds like. Any more a, a, a $9 bottle of mineral water <laughs> yes. you can get at yeah, Whole yeah. Foods. And okay. it comes in a stone bottle. It Sorry, de- continue. <laughs> it definitely does. I can feel us getting exceedingly out of our depth, so I'm just yeah. going to reel this right back Please. in to the Office of yeah, Naval there was Research. A, there was a fervor for UFOs yeah. at this yeah. time. Yeah. So and, let's talk more about the book, yeah. okay? Uh, the case for the UFO, Unidentified Flying Objects, was really more of an essay on why the government should spend more time studying UFOs and why they should be more public about their findings, mm-hmm. which I also agree with because we have sure. gotten like like info or things hinting at further information that they have something. Not to say that it's aliens or unidentified flying objects, but there's like supposedly been reports of like documents and like oh no i mean like stuff got released and it was kind of just like yeah we don't know what this thing is yeah we got a signal we don't know where it came from there is more of course well the signal came from me i was i was putting that out did you do the blip or what's it called the blip the the sound the noise the underwater noise yeah that was me yeah okay anyway the copy of the book that arrived at the office of naval research was different oh no yeah that's right the copy enclosed had writings in the margins of multiple pages in multiple so different colors of ink and slightly different handwriting. Oh, my God. This is like environmental storytelling in uh, an immersive sim. Yeah. <laughs> the notes range from commenting on points made in the book to recounting personal stories of secret experiments. Yeah. 
The notes seem to imply that three different people are writing to each other within the margins, essentially trading the book back and forth, traveling paint style. <laughs> yeah. However, only one person is ever named in these notes, and that person is referred to as Jemmy. My name oh. is Jemmy. My name is uh, Jemmy. Uh, yeah, J-E-M-I. Okay. Throughout the notes, a narrative emerges in which these three writers claim to be in contact with entities living in outer space. What? Yes, and they are concerned that Morris Jessup is too close to the truth. Oh my God. Not, ha- not where I saw this going. I thought they would be on board with it all. And so then the, um, you know, the, what is it, the Navy? Yeah, the, the Office of Naval Research finds this all a bit troubling. They do. Mm. Why? Yeah, I would have thrown it in the trash. Right, I would have seen them and like, this is so annoying. Yeah, <laughs> don't is, ma- who put, who leaked this address? This is going in the garbage. Yeah, please <laughs> I mean, it seems like a it seems center. like a fun writing experiment, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's around this time, uh, actually, only a few months later, that Morris Jessup starts to get letters from a man identifying himself. Hold on to your hats, folks. Okay. As Carlos Miguel Allende. That sounds kind of. Hey, do uh, we know someone some, yeah. by that? Name With the same sounds, initials, maybe? Sounds familiar, right, yeah. Patrick? Carlos. C-M-A, the Carlos Country Music Awards. Carl. Oh, yeah, Carl. Carl M. Allen. Oh. oh. Yeah. Jessup had never met Allen, and so far as he knew, these letters were a legitimate warning. Wow. Yeah. Most of the letters told Jessup not to look into the levitation capabilities of UFOs. Oh, come on. You can't <laughs> say don't look into it. That's yeah, the stupidest. Yeah, like that makes me want to look into it more than ever. Well, of course. And you've done a lot. You've actually looked into more than any of us into the levitation capabilities of UFOs. Yeah. and uh, Speak on that. Yeah, you're doing uh, well, your own research. I have. And uh, quite frankly, they, don't, they miss the mark a little bit. Really? <laughs> okay. The UFOs? Yeah. They go too oh. high. Yeah. Okay. There's... <laughs> Just, well, come on, showing off. It's so <laughs> okay. um, well, apparently, according to the letters, Albert Einstein, uh, his tutor mm-hmm. for a few weeks, <laughs> yeah. had unpublished theories that were used in a secret Navy experiment in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard during World War II with disastrous results. Wow. I guess this factors into the levitation capabilities. They must be linked in some way. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, now we can actually... Uh, slip into the 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 cool waters of the Delaware River. What's what do you mean? Yeah, what? Isn't that that's since in Philadelphia, right? I don't know. What are you talking? Just speak plainly. Yeah. It's that's the, the the key body of water that runs through the shipyards. Water. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a main artery so what? of what? And I, why should I have to? I don't have to go birds. Yeah, obviously, go for it. Okay. According to the letters, Carl Allen, or Carlos Allende, witnessed an experiment while serving aboard the SS Andrew Furuseth in October of 1943. Okay. So going back a little bit. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Now, we know a few things. First, Carl Allen did indeed serve aboard the SS Andrew Furuseth as a merchant marine, and he was at one time in the Philadelphia (gasps) Naval Shipyard around this time. I didn't get goosebumps. Bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I believe it. Um, So we know that stuff. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if you're here for cold, hard facts. You ain't going to get them. You know know now that the rest of the the, the story cannot be corroborated. Uh, We are entering the realm of the mind of Carl Allende. Yeah. So it's up to you. (laughs) To to decide what is true. It's like watching the movie Cube. 
It is mm-hmm. three. Like watching cube. There's a cube well, three. It's cube zero. Is cube three? Oh, sorry. Yeah. It goes no, cube, okay. cube two, hypercube, cube zero. I embarrassed myself. <laughs> <laughs> the cube two hypercube is is so so good as far as naming conventions go. It is. Um. So let's let's take a a little uh, a little jaunt through the mind of Carlos. Okay. Uh. He claims that a destroyer ship that was escorting True. them. A destroyer ship that was escorting them was made invisible, but then teleported to Norfolk, Virginia, uh, but then it reappeared in the yard and no one else seemed to have noticed. Uh... Hey, hey. <laughs> did, did, am I going crazy? Did, did anyone see else that? see that? According to Carl Allen, however, the crew of the destroyer suffered devastating side effects. These are so cool. These are kind of awesome. Yeah. So here are a few of the ailments Alan claims to have witnessed. Number one, insanity. Mm-hmm. Parentheses. What, what did I write next You to wrote it? event horizon disease. Yeah. Which, <laughs> that movie still hits. Yeah. If you haven't seen event horizon, highly recommend. Uh, anyway. And, and this ship is called the USS Eldridge. Yeah, so it's called the Philadelphia. It's very confusing. So yeah. it's called the Philadelphia Experiments because it supposedly happened in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. But the ship that is actually meant to the have destroyer. been the, sub, the destroyer that was meant to have been like the subject of the experiments is the Eldridge. Yeah. So Philadelphia really doesn't. That's just the location of the supposed experiments. Yeah, that was that. Although was, most of the magic seems to have happened in Norfolk anyway. So uh, well, some some place between. Uh, yeah. the, the planes of existence between yes. Philadelphia and yeah, Norfolk. Yeah. All okay. we know is that the SS Eldridge was sitting in the water in the Philadelphia the shipyard. <laughs> the water. We need to move on. Insanity was one of the ailments suffered by the crew of the Eldridge. According to the letters, upon the reappearance of the ship, most of the crew that was still corporeal, mm-hmm. and we'll get to the non-corporeal uh, few in a second, yep. the remaining crew had gone completely mad. Yeah. Awesome. More than like normal sea madness. No, too. This, this is, is like an, yeah. a cabin fever. Which, if you're getting sea madness in a river, like <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. You're not meant for this line. That's of work. a you yeah. problem. That's a yeah, you yeah, problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the second ailment, intangibility. Yeah. So they were like kind of ghosts, right? Yeah. So some of the crew members seem to no longer the exist. Lucky ones. Um, yeah, I'm not so sure because they didn't seem to exist in yeah. our plane of existence. Non-corporeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather they only existed in the ether, independent of a body. Uh, how Carl knew about this, one can only guess. Uh, I'm saying vibes alone. <laughs> yeah, how close was he to this ship that he saw all this happening? <laughs> well, you have to feel them if they're not, if they're intangible. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, another. Um, and coolest one. Yeah, the coolest one. Actually, I feel like, you know what? We're going to cover this one last. I'm going to cover the other two, and then we'll talk about this one. Uh, Green Fog, (laughs) which I don't think it's an ailment suffered by any one uh, crew member. That's just Philadelphia, baby. (laughs) (laughs) City stench. And we love it. We love it. Um, And and then there was nausea. Someone was on a boat, and they were sick to their stomach. I I know. know. Can you believe it? Uh, and again, he knew this yeah. from I a mean, different boat. Well, clearly this was before the Dramamine experiment, yeah. okay? Anyway, this is the uh, the notable one. Maybe you've heard about it if you're familiar with the Philadelphia experiment, the, the, the myth of this, but uh, many of the crew members were reportedly frozen in place or in some cases fused with the ship. Cool. Yeah, so it's like if you were teleported into a building, mm-hmm. right? And then you're like, your molecules mix with the wall or the beams 
and you become one and inseparable from that thing. Yeah, having just seen The Fly for the first uh, time, it's mm-hmm. very much speaking to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, yeah I, it's just like that. You know, I think of like Aliens as well, or like yeah. Tom Skerritt, an alien being, you know. Tom Skerritt, he made the town where the worm drives the apple. Oh, it's Richard That's Scary. Richard Scary. Oh, see, yeah. yeah. The busy world yep. of. Yep, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, very yeah. Okay, I understand. But yeah. a worm t- could be teleported into an apple, which Perhaps. is why they're in there when you take a bite out. Perhaps. Of it. Yeah. So why did he think that all of this was happening? Well, at least he claims that they were testing the ability to bend light around objects to render them invisible. Well, hang on a sec. Seems I just obvious wanna, to me. I feel like we blasted through all that stuff, and that's where all the meat is. So I just want you to close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And imagine, okay, you're on the deck of a ship. I'm on the deck of a ship. And I'm watching to make sure your eyes stay closed. So. They're closed. Um, Can't see shit. Okay. Uh, Is there ship, a water slide? There's no water slide. You're on a Navy ship. I'm, okay. I don't, I'm, I'm, across, at the, I'm at the buffet. Across, excuse me. <laughs> across the river. <laughs> you look over and you see the Eldridge. And all of a sudden, boop, it's gone. Right. It's gone. Okay. So you blink. No, you blink. No, nothing there. You blink. In the sh- not in real life. You I did it. I blinked. Uh, I did it too. And suddenly the ship is back accompanied by nausea. Not real. You're not <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> by a green fog. And the sailors are all wailing in madness. <laughs> wailing in madness. And you see men grafted to the steel, <laughs> the sides of the ship. Yeah. Vomiting because they're nauseous. And you also feel the ones that aren't there. And you see men bashing their heads against the sides on, in madness mm-hmm. and wisps ghosts whispers of sailors yeah uh not quite there incorporeal and if it's event horizon halls. disease they are having sex with each other many of, of them having, making the love Navy. to yeah well, it is other. yeah brother love yeah i yeah. didn't say open your eyes uh, okay now you can open your eyes okay oh, it's bright in here <sighs> see it's pretty good right that yeah, was i good saw meat. it all yeah <laughs> you really set the scene there patrick yeah yeah i like being down there on the waterfront, I'm going to go to get a cheesesteak. I'm going to pop over to the Ikea, which I know Ikea. is in other places, but there is one right down there. Is that that's a proud part of Philly's tradition? No, it's right Ikea. there, though. It's right there by the ship that inspired me to start doing this podcast with you. The uh, I think the USS United States or the SS the one America, that's like one of the other. Been around the world and just keeps falling apart. Or yeah, it's there a lot of, we've talked about this yeah, yeah. in some respect. There's a lot of ocean liners that like before planes, they had such a moment and then immediately mm-hmm. air travel kind of like Wiped them relegated off, them yeah. to just being towed around to different uh, uh, Southeast Asian countries and yes. then eventually just landing somewhere where their uh, propellers are sold to maritime museums. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just it. And then they just kind of waste away. Uh, and are very expensive to fix up, but also very expensive for the to upkeep. Take apart. So, yeah, yeah. yeah or, they or just keep up. Yeah. If yeah. I was a boat, I would wish I would disappear with rather than live a fate like that. Yeah, just cut me loose. You know, let me float out. There was a myth that it was put into the um, the harbor or shipyard or whatever, and then a bridge that was too low was constructed trapping it. Uh, this is false. This is sort of like <laughs> I've always had this thing. You know, people are like. Oh, I gotta get you know, yeah. Oh, I gotta get rid of this mattress. I gotta get rid of this sofa, but I don't mm-hmm. want to pay. You don't gotta pay. I've you get this, someone yeah. from my strange addiction that eats couch that's, cushions. So that's another option. They but if the, you don't want to, I don't do a, that. If you don't want to hang out with a weirdo, what you do is you put the large trash in the middle of a street. Right. What are they gonna leave it? Th- no. Yeah. They someone has to there. come get someone it. Someone has to come. So get they it. don't know it's you. They don't know it's me. Sure. Yeah. Could you cause an accident? Maybe. 
I just don't understand how this is any different from just putting it on the curb like most people would. Because you have to pay for it for them to pick it up. Well, how would they know? Never mind. We can talk about this later. <laughs> the, I'm I'm gonna get frustrated. You just put it in the road. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm Ca- just what gonna... was Carl's deal here? I thank you. Okay. Thank you. What does he think's going on here? I, I need think to know. It. Besides putting in a body of water, how is he trying to sell it. us such BS? Because if you put it in the street, here's the thing: if it's obstructing a major street, someone's got to come get it. <laughs> what a, what what about a we good don't have time, Samar- we don't a good have Samaritan may just on. come and drag it off to the side, <laughs> which I on. guess accomplishes it to the same. It's extent. called dumping. He claims that <laughs> they were illegal. testing the ability to bend light around objects to render them invisible, but also to explore the possibility of two pieces of matter occupying the same space and time, and if that could facilitate teleporting. Yeah, uh, which is the end of the movie Time Cop. I haven't seen Time Cop in so long. I don't. Yeah, I don't but now you don't need to. I guess not. Yeah. Um, is, spoilers for Time Cop. What's that? Spoilers for Time Cop. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Of yeah. course. Uh, anyway, this is obviously a super distressing letter. Is it? Because I feel like most people would see that and be like, "This is clearly fake." Yeah, but Disregard he's sending it, it to yeah. the UFO author, who I feel oh, like oh, probably has. Yes. Okay. You're Jessup right. probably you're has right. a healthy appetite for this kind of stuff being real. He awaits this type. He of wants thing. to believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. He wants to believe. I don't you remember yeah. how it goes. You doing, what are you doing, Star Trek? <laughs> Just doing X-Files. That was X-Files? <laughs> Before uh, you went into the Steve Miller band. <laughs> anyway, the letter does raise a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, Jessup wrote back because he, like pretty much anyone given that information, needed a little bit of clarification. He asked for more details of the side effects, and Carl Allen replied his memory would have to be recovered. Yes. Like in Total Recall. Yes. And he said that. He said, give it to me, Total Recall. Give it to me, Total Recall. <laughs> and then he said, yeah, brunette. Or otherwise, <laughs> otherwise we're going to get a time cop. Yeah. That's how he said it. He said, give gonna... it to me, Total Recall, or we get a time cop, and you don't want to know my Cube 3. <laughs> just cube zero as we, uh, yeah, as we covered earlier. And goes, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. No, that's not how I said it. Actually. Uh, and a total, yeah, total recalling, it, it, it can be extremely dangerous, but I've done it myself many times All right. uh, to uncover information and in train and my training, <laughs> which is very deeply, I had, it had to be deeply buried to make it safe for me to be out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we got to keep going. <laughs> So uh, Carl, or I guess Carlos still at this point, uh, (laughs) instructed Jessup to pull the microfiche on a Philadelphia newspaper from October 28th, 1943, where he would find an article that, where he would find an article that covered the incident. I wonder if it's the Inquirer. Yeah. Uh, Actually, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, This newspaper didn't exist. Right. Yeah, it was fake. He made it up. Yeah, so now Jessup has a bunch of strange letters from a stranger describing strange things. So he did the only thing that made sense to do. Uh, He took it completely seriously and contacted the Office of Naval Research, demanding the files on the experiment. God. (laughs) There is something to be said about just, like, believing in something so hard. (laughs) That you're like, I'm in. That even, like... Say no more. Yeah, something comes across your desk that's like, this is clearly not anything well no jessup jessup is is fully on board and the navy basically responds and says like aren't you that guy that wrote that book that showed up that was somehow not covered in anthrax yeah Um, but they invited jessup to their offices sure you could just get so far uh, in this world at this time just by being a man (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I need to come <laughs> discuss this with you. And right like, this way, sir. We Welcome. don't know what you're come talking on. about. It never happened, but come on down. Yeah. Why don't you we'll get figure in, this out? Come to the office. We'll get lunch. We can talk about it. <laughs> Have some cigars. Have some, Have some cigars. Yeah. Do you want a gun? <laughs> we, don't, we won't even take any hair from you. No, yeah. <laughs> but so he see, when he sees this book, which is his book. Yeah. Right? So they did invite him. They is show he, like, him the freaked book. Out? Well, first of all, he recognizes the handwriting. Because uh, he got the letters from the from Carlos too. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. So yeah. the Office of Naval Research allows two of their officers to investigate both the book and the claims of the experiment, but they found them both to be super fake. Yeah. So this seems like a lot of uh, Carlos operating. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, as part of this investigation, they did contact one of the Navy's manufacturers, a company called Vero Manufacturing Corp., which operated out of Garland, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and in this process, the Navy's connection at Vero, Austin and Stanton, apparently became obsessed with the writings around the experiment, um, oh, wholly cool. of his own volition. I feel like because the last thing we need is another man obsessed with yeah, this. I know. Yeah, it's like it, it keeps it's spreading <laughs> it's like a virus. There's like something about this that appeals to men so much <laughs> that it consumes every single piece. They of They abandon being. their wives, their children. <laughs> yep. like, I need yes. to get to the bottom. To do of your this. re, because you well, you have to do the research. Well, yeah. see, men used to become drifters. They used to yeah. get on a freight train and just yeah. ride it west and just see where it took them and, and bum and once, around small if they towns. They didn't have a conspiracy board. Now men are letting taken from us yes now men are drifting with their mind yes. <laughs> into the into the 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 murky waters of ufology and the philadelphia mm. experiment yes. so anyone this book touches it seems to fully captivate them yeah. which is um kind of amazing yeah and, it's cool and um and i so think we should get back to the that navy kind of country. leans into this right because now this guy who's obsessed who he manufactures stuff for the navy at vero they published copies of the book. 127. <laughs> yeah, Very via, specific number. Via mimeograph. Yeah, that's all they could afford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are three that went missing. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. 127. Uh, it's known as the Vero edition. So shouts out Austin and Stanton for making your mark on the world. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, he uses company supplies to mimeograph copies of the book with the annotations included. If you're unfamiliar with the mimeograph, as I am, it's the precursor to the modern mm. copier, making mimeographs, right, for, I guess, NL. Essentially, he's stealing office supplies uh, for the cause. This Which guy, I, Austin and Stanton. Yes. Yeah, that's Vero, fine. Yeah. Steal office supplies. If you're in an office right now, pause the show. Stand get some post-it notes. Steal. Yeah, get some pens. Yep. Uh, those little colored tabs. Those are really fun. I don't really use them from... Actually, I do use them. Sometimes they're fine. They're fine to have. Anyway, Jessup tried to write additional books on UFOs, but he was not very successful. Never Essentially, found his muse. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I got a Red Bull burp. Essentially, he was sixty years too early for a movement that would have taken him seriously. Uh, unfortunately, he died by suicide only oh. a few years later. Stanton? Uh, no, Jessup. Jessup. Oh, Jessup. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, Gosh. Yeah, bummer. Uh, multiple UFO enthusiasts attempted to pick up where Jessup left off with Carl Allen's letters. I guess we've just, we're just finished with Carlos Allende. <laughs> um, but for many years, he refused to comment or reply to any requests for more information. That being yeah. Carlos, not Jessup. That's the move. He was dead. I like yeah. how he's like, I'm out. I did my, yeah, I yeah. told you. It's what, all yeah. there. It's in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but never discount a uh, ufologist no. because they eventually found Carl's family. Oh, great. Oh, good. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but Carl's family only had two answers for them. One, they didn't know about any UFO stuff yeah. at all. Uh, but they knew Carl loved a good prank. Uh, <laughs> this guy, uh-oh. this guy. Yeah, uh-oh. Uh, which is two. And they were pretty sure that's all this was, but the ufologist didn't take no for an answer because it's not about whether something's yeah. right or wrong. It's the fact that you believe it. Imagine yeah. pranking the Navy now. You'd end up in prison. You would end yeah. up in a black site on an yeah. island that doesn't exist on any map. Yeah. Yeah. Which could be fun. I'm going to keep trying, though. Yeah, I think Patrick's got I'm a lot. He mostly trying. just rigs up buckets at the Pentagon yeah. uh, over doors. Which, honestly, yeah, would probably get you like thrown in, into a hole in the ground yes. somewhere. <laughs> um Interestingly, books on UFOs referring to the Philadelphia experiment as a completely real thing, which Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick did confirm as real earlier, were published in 1965, 1978, 1979, and 2008. I think that's been a problem with this whole Philadelphia experiment story is that it gets treated like a real piece of World War II history because Mm -hmm. it was getting documented in such a way where it felt like it it is a little difficult to suss out because I've definitely like watched videos and read things where I'm like wait well this is not real though but like why is it is it it wasn't an an attempted experiment it's like not even I think it's just cool enough that even though there's like yeah pretty you know there's it's like this it was a prank I think it's cool enough that people are going to go with it. And then like most of the time you're not going to, I don't know, a lot of the the way I think a lot of people probably engage with this is they get the story and it's cool and it's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Yeah. And like the problem is that like all of this falsification is getting conflated with real experiments that happened during this time that actually- Because there were top secret experiments. There were top secret like experiments, experiments yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. do we mess with the magnetic fields of these ships and radar and stuff and yeah. detection, but it is getting- I see what you're doing. You know, muddied. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I think also just to draw a conc- uh, comparison to something today is like, uh, there's always a source. Like people with, let's say, anti-vaxxers uh, or like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, transphobes <laughs> will always have like a medical professional or a study. You can always find someone like, to say there's something. There's always something with some like, on its, its face, air of uh, of um, it sounds like it's distinguished or accredited, and it's it's like well, yeah, you can, no. but but you can find yeah. anything to to uh, back up what you're saying, and, and yeah, yeah, sure. confirma- confirmation bias, I don't think even really factors in no. when it is a conscious uh, effort to find something to back up your lie. Yeah. Um, well, and I think uh, yeah, I think in this case too, it, it's it's probably mostly just like. I mean, this one's pretty harmless. It's pretty cool. It's cool, yeah. So, being fused with things yeah, is pretty cool. It's fascinating. I do wish anti- anti-vaxxers were a little bit more fantastic with what they... I mean, saying that it makes you gay, I think, was pretty fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, does, it, it could fuse you to the hull of a ship. Too. Now, see, that... Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be converted to the way no. of thinking, but yeah. I would definitely talk about to it. To be more, gay right? and fused to the hull of a ship. Yeah, yeah. I want to be fused to a beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the 1979 book is particularly famous because it's written by Charles Berlitz and noted ufologist William L. Moore. So Charles Berlitz had just finished writing a book on the Bermuda Triangle, while Moore had finished a book on Roswell. 
And they also introduced a new character to the story, Thomas Townsend Brown. TTB. TTB. Could be a relative. Uh, That could be, yeah. Allegedly, Brown was a Navy technician who helped participate in the experiment and shared his story with Carl Allen. No one has ever been able to track down (laughs) Thomas Townsend Brown Uh as he is described in the book. Oh, he's he's described as uh, quite thin. Uh, with a mustache and a horse-like face and, oh, uh, and yeah. untamable calyx. That's um, me. In 1984, the accounts of Ellen and Brown were adapted into a movie, and after seeing the movie, a man named Alfred Bialak came forward and claimed to be an additional witness to the oh, experiment. God, God yeah. just every freak coming out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is odd because it did not happen. Right. <laughs> Uh, but he did swear he was there, literally up until his death. I mean, if he swore, then... He was there. He swore, and he believed it so strongly, he started support groups for other survivors. Over time, more people came forward. But here's the thing about people who have come forward. Nearly all of them describe it using Carl Allen's exact descriptions, descriptions that have been refuted because, again, it did not happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So people continue to take Carl Allen's prank books completely seriously to this day. Uh, which is bizarre because there may actually be normal explanations for what was happening on that fateful day in October of 1943. No. No? You Hmm? disappointed? No, because the info that you're getting, right, (laughs) is filtered through the mainstream You're right. Yeah, okay. Let's (laughs) let's not get too deep on that one. So the Navy actually was completing degaussing experiments for making the ship for making ships undetectable by magnetic underwater mines at certain distances, like Elise alluded to it's not Germans long ago. Germans were dumping magnetic mines everywhere. Yeah, they would just attach themselves to the hull of these ships. Much like a man. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, one of the ships was, in fact, the destroyer that accompanied Carl Allen's boat. Uh-huh. It's likely he overheard these plans and misunderstood the intent of the experiment. Uh, that is one hell of a game of telephone. It also <laughs> sounds like he might have just been pranking. I mean, he's Carl be pranking. Yeah. He's been fired from many jobs for pranking. I don't think it's totally <laughs> that is out so of the funny. realm of possibility that this yeah. was just a prank. Like, I mean, that's just awesome. And I mean, I definitely think there's some credence to that. He maybe like learned about, oh, these are experiments that the sure. Navy's do. Because he'd have to have a wild imagination to think of like a ship turning invisible and tran- teleport- teleporting or what have you. But if he had overheard, he could have thought, oh, I'll inflate this and make a big deal. Of yeah, it. yeah, sure. Yeah, and well, the degaussing experiments were thought to be successful, uh, but they did not teleport or make a boat completely yeah. invisible. Uh, it's more likely that Carl closed his eyes and the boat disappeared. <laughs> and then yeah. when he reopened them, the boat, the boat was, was back. back. He forgot what blinking was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also Alfred Bilek's story is the man that took to his grave his insistence yeah. that he had witnessed it. Yeah, uh, it yeah. doesn't check out. If indeed he was aboard the USS Eldridge, as he claimed, then we could track where the ship was. And unfortunately, it was not in the Philadelphia shipyard, as he claimed. Oh. Yeah. Another veteran interviewed for the many books on this topic mentioned that the trip from Philadelphia to Norfolk was a single day trip because boats could use the Chesapeake Canal, gorgeous, you know, stretch of water, by the way, which allowed them to travel between Norfolk and Philadelphia in a fraction of the time. Add to that a green fog that no one can see past and fast ships coming in and out of port, this explains why someone might think they've seen boats disappearing and reappearing. Yeah. Yeah. It all it all checks out. It all adds up. Checks out. Uh, it happened. It's a prank. I mean, but hey, who it's doesn't a, love he's, a It's just a classic goof. It's a prank. <sighs> yeah. Classic. It's, 
It's just a goof. When people did finally get in touch with Carl Allen, he almost immediately confessed it was a prank. (laughs) (laughs) They got to him. They got to him. Then he recanted and said it was real. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Then said it was a prank again. Okay. But then it was real again. Okay. Okay. Um, Make up your mind, Carl. So I think what's happening here is the CIA is getting getting into him saying, but but he's he's so valiant in his efforts to expose the truths of the world that he continues to, 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 to do so. And then the CIA comes back. It's again, says, you gotta <laughs> Carl, say it's fake. Really, we, we don't want to keep doing but this. But then again, his yeah. spirit, his uh, truth-telling spirit <laughs> gets the better of him. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, this is neat. In 1999, 15 of the remaining crew members of the USS Eldridge got together for a reunion in Atlantic City, and they are very sick of talking about this. this. Yeah. Which... It's like the hellfish bonanza. And I want to say real quick, like I'd love to hear what that is in, I, in a moment. The Simpsons. Oh, oh, when, oh, when oh. Abe and Mr. Burns and all their World War II platoon like go to get okay. the art. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I think of old men in war reuniting years and years yeah. later, I think of the hellfish bonanza. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say. I think say. of that shot of Matt Damon growing old. <laughs> <laughs> from the Born Identity? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, from uh, Goodwill Hunting. Oh. So some of this was from a legitimate article. A lot of it was from a GeoCities it page. It was the GeoCities <laughs> page, yes. Uh, so but take the quotes with the, the results, but nothing of note is really said. So I think it's fair to assume it's all real, like anything in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently one crew member said, I think it's somebody's pipe dream. Uh, picture that in a very old man voice. We know whose pipe dream specifically. Carl. Yeah, Miguel Carlos. Allende. It should yeah. be pointed out that the GeoCities was geocities.com slash Carlos Allende. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. Oh, that was a prank from Elise. Yeah. Taking, yeah. taking a page from this Carl's show, book. This show, people. Scrawling in the margins of our show. They don't They don't just have great merch on this show, okay? Okay. They, infl- they influence Thank you. you. Thank you for That's saying that about the yeah. merchandise. I love you. Have some I appreciate it. Best that. merch in the RT store. Some hits the fan. People are saying it. Uh, many are saying it. Uh, another one of the veterans, apparently, allegedly said we can't wait to put it to rest we can't because it keeps coming up yeah apparently everyone is constantly asking them about it yeah well the good news is you know in a matter of perspective uh you could probably just put those veterans to rest oh, the, if, every yeah. every member is dead yeah you think i would think so 22 23 years later yes they are all dead <laughs> uh, also being in atlantic city vastly increases oh, your chances of mortality yeah <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, most of them were just confused as to why the Eldridge specifically got attached to all these conspiracy theories. And I would say it's because Carl was just a goofy little prankster, man. He, just was having a, he was just having a good time. Yeah, apparently there were just there was like a ton of ships there. And they're kind of and these guys are just kind of like, why us? <laughs> why our ship? Of all the ships that were there in that time period, why well, this one? Or Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say at the other end of the table is half of a man fused to a girder <laughs> and a, a, a large sheet of steel that yeah, had been yeah. cut off of what was there. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand it either. You know, it also it also feels like, of course, you know, this was he, he was sending these letters and these books and stuff during the Cold War, a time where military secrets were of the utmost importance. You know, you mm-hmm. didn't want anything to leak. And it's almost like this guy is trying to get the Navy to like confirm that oh yeah we're doing like he's trying to get them <laughs> yeah. to say those weren't the secret experiments we were doing we were doing the, these ones experiments. and they go oh, oh, so, yeah, shoot oh, I didn't mean it. to say that yeah, he got us good <laughs> yeah trying to catch the navy in a lie yeah. is is a very funny idea I mean like I don't know these are 
the most powerful institutions in the world. And it's just funny at the idea of one guy just pulling a little goof. Yeah, And they yeah. were also so gullible. They were like, huh, package, what's this? And then a, UFO, a ufologist calls them and they go, I don't know what you're talking about, but you should come on down. <laughs> I mean, honestly, just, maybe they were just like, I don't, I don't care. Sure, whatever. Come it's it's peace time. Yeah, It also may have out. just been like, come down if you want. I guess, I yeah. They maybe they thought he wouldn't take them up on yeah. it. I don't know. But people's delusions uh, are incredible. And uh, I would say if people out there keep believing uh, and wild stuff. No matter what you see to the contrary. It's, it's all yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. And if there are any men out there that are just taken by fantastic mm-hmm. stories, uh, do... Uh, start a blog. Do it safely. Start a blog. Yeah. Uh, keep us posted. Yeah. I want to thank Patrick for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I liked when he made us close our eyes What's and up? then he stole from our purses. Oh, yeah, you that was good. That. You, won't, you won't find out about that until much later. I see. You left a note. He left a calling card. That Patrick, he's such a pranker. No, no, no. He went to the prank. Stealing from my wallet. He went to the print store and got custom uh, bicycle cards made, but they are the Patrick cards. So it has a little <laughs> yeah. P and it's just a little uh-huh. <laughs> um, poker. <laughs> Ooh, don't oh, don't, no, That's never terrible. mind. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Elise, for coming thank on the show you. for an episode. We love you. I love you guys. And this was, <laughs> you said that with a question. Like I just, it a it's, question. It's, it's a big statement to say on a it, podcast. I mean, it, I mean, I love you both. And I was, uh, it was such okay. a pleasure to, to do this. I, lo- so I love fun. you, Patrick. No. Okay. He'll never say it. All right. Anyway. Yeah. You bring such an incredible flair. Oh. So much girl power. Now we've outnumbered him. <laughs> I appreciate Check that. out 30 morbid minutes. <laughs> Listen to 30 more. Right. And, and I, I, we will find a way for ship hits to reappear on 30 morbid minutes. Maybe we could disappear and then reappear. On thirty morbid minutes, fused to the building, fused to tie into the episode. Yeah. yeah, I will have gone insane. Did we? I would yeah, love to hear from the audience uh, what that they thought of the call forward. Where can they reach out to you both? <laughs> Uh-huh. To tell you what they thought of those those call Ship forwards. Ship hits pot on Ship all hits socials. Pot on all socials, and you know we're we're more active. I think on the well, we were more active on the Twitter, but maybe I'll lean into Instagram more. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the show is written by Paige Wesley, mm-hmm. uh, art by Stevie Jude, and it is edited by Kelly Reynolds and Nick Schwartz. And is guested by Elise Willems. It's guested yes. by Elise Willems from Thirty and, Morbid uh, Minutes. It's pranked by Patrick Brown. Pranked by pranked Patrick. By Patrick. Brown. And, bone, and the bones Patrick. are bleached by Charlotte Avery. And may they to remain so. And may in they. This, and <laughs> in <laughs> these sands. Bye, everybody. See ya. See ya.